Hello! Welcome to Middle of the Road. We're still not in the middle of the road, but instead we're recording in the middle of an HDB. We are, however, two 35-year-old guys who are still trying to make sense of the world because it's just crazy, man. Today, we wrap up on the general elections and, you know, did the PAP win? For sure. Did it feel like winds have changed though? Maybe. So if you guys want to hear Ivan give his thoughts, sound intellectual on the whole elections, come on in and join us. And before we get into the whole episode, let me just say that whatever that's said here are our own views. We are not affiliated to any political cause or agenda. We just find stuff funny and we talk about it. And perhaps maybe in some of the things that we say, there is some wisdom. Who knows? Come on in and join us, guys. The general elections are under wraps. Woo! And while we're waiting for a new cabinet to be formed, Evan, I just want to read this quote to you. Shoot. Okay. So, ruling party won 83 seats, or 89% of those up for grabs. Even so, it's a setback for the PAP, which has won at least 93% of parliamentary seats since Singapore became independent in 1965. The article is from Bloomberg. <laughs> this election has been historic because it's the most number of seats won by an opposition party. Yeah. Well, by opposition in general, right? So tell me what you think. Why do you think that the Workers' Party did so well in this election? Woohoo! Workers' Party! Okay, so first things first. I think Workers' Party this time around uh, conducted themselves very well. They had a clear strategy. They had a very classy campaign. And don't forget that Lao Ta Kiang has retired. They have lost a few members of their A-team and they actually want more seats. So I guess uh, from the get-go, Workers' Party has proven themselves right now to be, uh, to be like the best of all the opposition parties. Uh. Um, we can break it down. Let's look at all the individual places that they contested. I think strategically, right, um, one thing that they did very well was that they focused um, very closely around their core supporter base, which if you know, like Aukang is the spiritual home of the Workers' Party, right? Started with, Lao Tia Kang started winning the first seat there and he's been there the longest time. So if you actually look back at the results from Aukang compared to the previous election, the 2015 election, which was like a super uh, buff election because LKY was, LKY spirit was basically helping PAP all over the island. <laughs> if you look back there, right? Actually, Workers' Party lost less than 5% of the vote share in the last elections. So, that shows how strong their supporter base is. It's like even with the aura of Lee Kuan Yew, right? They didn't lose much share. And this time round, Aukang was obviously one of the first places that uh, won. So from there, we move on to our unit. Now, our unit was a bit interesting because if you look back to 2015 again, they almost lost that place. I think they did like a 51 or 52% win only. But this time round, it was almost 60%. So this just shows that Workers' Party is becoming recognized as a very, very credible opposition. And people are giving them a lot more, uh, they're giving a lot more weight to what Workers' Party is doing. The more interesting battles would be East Coast mm -hmm. and Singkang. So do you, do you have an idea that Singkang would be so closely contested when you started looking at the, the pre-election data? Well, I was surprised actually that Sengkang was uh, was lost um, nope. really? I think one of the funny things that people were talking about was uh, 
you know how strategically they would always put a minister at a place and uh, try to win the votes because people are worried about losing a minister, right? Mm. Apparently, it's backfired. Not only did a three-star general lose, he lost to a corporal in Jameis. Yeah, so Jameis was a corporal. He was a medic, service medic back in SAF. And he did a general, man. <laughs> so we took out a general. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like uh, Sengkang was interesting. Um, but for me, the one that... I really, really wanted to, that I was really, really surprised mm. was the East Coast, mm. right? Um, Nicosia has been contesting that place for the past two general elections. And I'm very surprised because the finance minister is there, you know, and throughout COVID, everybody, uh, quoting one of our good friends, uh, the finance minister is the Tyson Year, you know, like the god of wealth. <laughs> and he barely squeaked out a win. In the yeah, East yeah, yeah. So that was that was a very interesting move by the PAP. Uh, I think from the get go, right? PAP probably identified East Coast as one of the more shaky uh, GRCs that they had, and also because geographically it's actually very close to the Aljunied base that Worker Party has. So you can say that it was a very strategic move to put our DPM there, but at the same time to try and lose him, you mean? Yeah. The potential for losing your next uh, PM in waiting, right, would have been well, catastrophic, man, for the PAP. So I think uh, it's a bit wasted that Nicosia was there. Um, I felt like if they really wanted to put her into parliament, she would have had, they could have just put her in our unit. Lah. But I guess the Workers' Party probably had more senior people that they, they wanted to put into parliament. So obviously good showing, but um, on the on the idea that he's the Tyson year, right? I mean, let's be real, like, it's, the, it's the function of a finance minister to be giving out stuff. So maybe Singaporeans are not really that enamored by him just being the Tyson year. And it probably helped a little bit, but I think East Coast will be one to look for in the next elections. True. It's going to be True. very interesting. But I want to bring it back to the Singkang contest uh, because Singkang, I felt, was was a very winnable uh, GSE for Workers' Party to start. But one thing that happened was the Raisa controversy. Like, she was brought up. Right. They, some people dug up some tweets from two years ago that kind of put her in a very um, racist light. And I felt that that was, that was an unnecessary distraction that could have caused the Workers' Party a good chance to win. But the good thing that came out of it was that you could see the difference in leadership between what the Workers' Party did and what the PAP did during right. the Ivan Lim case. So when this issue blew up, uh, Pritam Singh, who's the leader of the Workers' Party, brought everybody out. He brought Raisa out and she, he made her give a statement. So she basically apologized and said that, oh, it's the folly of you. Uh, whatever, I said, whatever I said that time doesn't really reflect who I am. Lah. And I think... Uh, Pritam also stood behind her. And that was the main gist of the whole situation, was that they were prepared as a party to stand behind their candidate and give her every chance to defend herself. You contrast that with what PAP did with Ivan Lim, right? <laughs> Do you remember what they, what they did? Yeah, I think they basically just threw him under the bus, right? <laughs> no video, you know. Mm. Um, all he did was a statement. And then like barely a couple of days later, he resigned. It wasn't even a couple of days. It was like within 24 hours, he was like, okay, I'm not participating. Right. And then, like, at the end of it, after Taman won Jurong... They put him in a video. Yeah, what the fuck, man? Why is that dickhead still in the picture? Like, seriously, man, PAP's PR team needs to get their shit together. Why are you putting... So, calling out there, 
calling it out there for, for anybody who is in PR. I think PAP really needs somebody of quality. You should try. Yeah. And they call you non-essential, right? Well, loud. This is how badly they misread somebody the entire Somebody needs situation. to go in and shake it up. Okay. I want to take the conversation to something else. So uh, remember, we have four parties uh, that participated in the political debate. So I guess in everybody's impression as well is that these are the four major uh, parties in Singapore. So whilst Worker Party, we know did very well, mm. right? SDP, uh, <laughs> helmed by Chi Sun Chuan, oh, the man. man of many teeth, <laughs> and uh, PSP, held by Tan Cheng Bok, yep. did not win any seats at all. Yeah. Now, why do you think that happened? I feel so sad for Tan Cheng Bok, man. He's like this. <laughs> Over the last few days, he has become this grandpa of the nation. He started his own Instagram account. And like he's our 80 year old hype beast. Uh. Hype beast. <laughs> no, it's freaking cute. If you have time, please go to his account. Uh, look at some of his Insta stories. It's really, really damn amusing and very, very heartwarming. Um, okay, so PSP, right? I think they, they sort of messed up their strategy a little bit. Um, they are relatively, I mean, they are super new party, but they chose to contest in more seats than the workers' party themselves. So first of all, there is no clear number two in the in the PSP. Basically, their entire strategy relied on the fact that Tan Cheng Bok had a very, very big influence. In fact, I think the media coined it the Tan Cheng Bok effect. Mm -hmm. And this is because this guy has like a lot of street crap, for lack of a better term. Uh, and I felt that they kind of overplayed that aspect of it. Lah. So if you look at all the areas that PSP contested, right, they actually had pretty damn good uh, vote share. It's all like at least high 30s, most of them in the 40% one. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for his favorite ward, his West Coast ward, I felt like he didn't put his best team there when he actually had the highest chance of winning there. So in terms of strategy, I think they, they sort of should have shot themselves in the foot. Lah. They should have put all their top players, and by top players, I'm talking about uh, Francis Jen, who went for the debate, mm -hmm. and also Brad Boyer, who has some popularity in the local scene. Mm -hmm. So they should have went all in on that particular uh, on that particular GRC. Rather than spread everybody out, consolidate them within one GRC and, and that result would have been better. Yes. You think? Because the, the margin of loss was so little and it was like, I think less than 6,000 people, eh, which is like 1-2% vote share. So just a little bit more. Or maybe if he had started his hype beast <laughs> videos <laughs> maybe one week before, right, he might have been able to sway some of the votes. Lah, but I felt like it's such a waste. Um, I'm a bit concerned for PSP. Moving forward, Dr. Tan is 80 years old. By the time the next election comes, he'll be 85. So even though he has stated that he, he's going to run again, um, there is no clear succession plan in the PSP. There's a bit of drama with the whole Lee Hsien Yang situation, whether he's actually really contributing. Uh, yeah, so without Tan Cheng Bok's influence, does the party really have any direction or not? So I think that'll be interesting to see what happens from here on. They have a super big team somehow. Mm. So I think one concern is that they might have people who fall out because the results haven't been good in yeah. the past elections. Mm. What about our favorite man, <laughs> Dr. Chi Soon Juan, the man who seems to grow more teeth with every election, but it doesn't seem to produce better results. Okay, so Chi Sun Juan, if you compare his performance to like 2015, he's actually got a very big upswing. I think he swung about 10% of the votes. And his running mate, his 2IC, the Dr. Tambaya, 
did even better than him. Uh, got like 46% of the votes. But I think we, while people think that he actually did better, if we take one step back, right, we look at the 2011 results, which was, um, which was the watershed elections. If you look at historically SDP's performance in those regions, and this is where I give credit to SDP because strategically they always pick the right places and they've been there for a while. So if you look at those results, they actually mirror very closely to the 2011 results. They may have improved by maybe one, two percentage points. Um, but obviously, like having an enormous number of teeth doesn't help you to win, doesn't get you over the hump. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for Dr. Chi, he's probably encouraged by the results, but um, he, needs to, he needs to do something else. Lah, I feel uh, they have a good base to work off. Mm, but yeah, he has to do more than just be constantly on attack mode. Lah. Yeah, very, very adversarial in nature, mm. his uh, campaign is like. Yes. But also, I would point out, slightly delusional as well, right? <laughs> You'll be surprised, man. Um, I think a lot of the young people, the young first-time voters actually look up to him because if you just look at him in isolation, he has given up a lot for his uh, career and he has, to them, dedicated a lot of his time to, to being in opposition now. At the same time, he speaks quite well. Uh, the, their top two guys speak very well. I think Paul Tambaya is actually a better speaker than him. But yeah, I think they need, to, they need to do a bit more to be able to get in. Um, for us who have known him for further, like for me. When you go coffee with him, he, I didn't know. Eh. <laughs> is, is, that, is that how you're counting all the tea in his mouth? No, you just look at the pictures from last time, man. I mean, seriously, just compare two pictures side by side. I never paid attention. I've never paid attention. Yeah, so uh, these are the few parties that I think will still be around the next election. And they, if they continue to build on, we will have a very good case for the next GE. On that note, though, um, there are some other parties which I think probably should reassess their life decisions. Life decisions, okay. Well, so the first, let's, let's go down the list huh? so we don't miss out anybody. Sure. The first one, Reform Party. Oh my God, man. Okay, the only good thing to come out of Reform Party this time is Charles Yo. Holy shit, man. You know, people say that this is very popular meme has been going around. The people saying that Jameis carried the Singtang team to their victory, right? Yes. <laughs> Charles Yo carried his entire RP team, man. To not having forfeit the deposit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, imagine you play Dota, right? It's a five on five situation. When you start the game, three of your teammates DC and he still carry on the fight, okay? Bloody hell. That was that is freaking admirable. <laughs> okay, but get this uh, interesting fact about the the RP. So um in two of the places that they contested, mm-hmm. they had the most number of rejected votes. So we are talking about Amokyo, which is helmed by our PM, and Radin Mas, who I mean is totally irrelevant who is helmed by that. <laughs> so the interesting thing about the Radin Mas contest was, okay, this guy called Kuma Apavu. He okay. was given a slot on TV to make his political broadcast, right? And this joker didn't even show up. MC, like, MC. He was absent. <laughs> I mean, like, is Reform Party like, going to be the MC party? Yeah? <laughs> is that ridiculous? Lah? So basically what happened is to what? People queued up. Maybe they queued up for an hour. And they were so pissed off at the choices that they were presented, then they freaking just spoiled their vote. Because even though you can tell that they're anti-establishment, 
they don't want to vote for the other guy. I mean, how bad do you have to be as opposition in today's context that people don't even want to vote for you, man? And traditionally, Amokyo is is uh, Lee Hsien Long's GRC, yep. so to speak. Yep. On a more serious note, the um, Reform Party needs to stop this nonsense. Seriously, man. Every time that they are doing this, they are just wait, providing wait. more. Huh? Wait, when you say stop this nonsense, meaning what? They should stop contesting in all future GEs. Like, period? Yeah, ever. Okay, so look at the performance of this Reform Party. This Reform Party. <laughs> Look at what they did this time around. Okay, they basically averaged about twenty five percent of the vote share for every what that they contested. I think you can attribute twenty three percent of it to Charles Yeo carrying the team. So I think what this tells you, right, is that this this twenty twenty five odd percent of Singaporeans in those wards they would be anti establishment to the core. They would vote anybody who goes there. Because this party hasn't didn't even show up for their own political broadcast and they still voted for them. And I think it's you are doing a disservice to the people because you are really feeding information to the PAP. So what does this twenty five percent tell you about this? Like what, what does that twenty five percent represent? The twenty five percent represent the hardcore supporters that will never never vote for the PAP. And you do that, you come and come in with a half ass campaign, then you say that, oh, uh, I need we stand up for the people in Singapore when even the leader, the Kenneth Jenner right now, doesn't stay in Singapore. He's based in London. So what the hell are you doing? You're like wasting our time. You're feeding information to the PAP. And you're giving them an advantage for the future. So please, stop participating. Okay. Uh, Charles Yodo should join another party. <laughs> I would vote for him. <laughs> I want to see another performance from him. Okay. Speaking of MVPs, right? What about People's Voice? AKA also known as Lim Tian's voice. Oh my god, people's voice. So I mentioned that two of the top <laughs> rejected vote votes were from the RP, were from Reform Party. Um, the other one in the top three belonged to Lim Tian. Now, uh, it was very unfortunate because he contested in Jalan Besar, which I thought if the opposition had any sort of respectable candidate, right, they would have a very good chance because it was helmed by uh, Josephine Teo. And if you do a popularity poll, I think Josephine Teo will be close to the bottom. But yet again, these people went to the polls, they queued up, and they looked at their options and like, fuck it, I'm gonna fuck up my I'm gonna fuck up my vote, man. Like they don't even want to vote for the opposition. So uh people's voice, you need to you need to do something about it. Okay, we're not gonna do every party in detail, but I just wanna quickly hear your thoughts on some of the other ones that we do know about. Uh NSP. NSP, okay, NSP very interesting because even though they have participated for don't know how many elections in a row, they haven't won jack shit. But, but their redeeming quality is that they seem to be a stepping stone for all the, the more popular political candidates. So I'm talking about Nicosia, I'm talking about Hazel Poa who ran with uh, Tan Cheng Bok, even Bradley Boer, this Angmo guy who is reasonably popular now. So uh, I think they should continue, but they probably need to re-strategize a bit. What about PPP? Okay, PPP led by this guy called Goming Singh. Uh, he started off in Workers' Party before starting his own boy band, I mean party. Um, so he used, to, he used to helm NSP as well. A few interesting things about him. He was the main campaigner for Tan Kin Lian during the presidential elections. Tan Kin Lian is a very popular stand-up, local stand-up comedian. You can go and look for him on Facebook. And the best part is 
Gomez Singh believes in UFOs. I am not joking. He believes that UFOs are real. He believes that aliens are watching us. You can Google it, and that's all I'll say about the People's Power Party. Red Dot United. Okay, Red Dot United. I don't know what the hell their game plan is. Da. Basically, they seem to be nice people, but they sound like a football club. Uh, their logo looks like the Safari browser in a different color. And their first course of action was to go out against Taman. I mean, is it supposed to be some heroic, like David versus Goliath shit? Uh, I don't think they have any direction. They should probably merge with some other party to, to be a bit more substantial. SDA? SDA is my favorite cock blocker, man. <laughs> Okay, so SDA, over the last, uh, last two elections and the by-elections, all they do, right, is to compete in three-cornered fights. So the people of Pongo will never, ever, will never ever be out of the PAP's control because every single election, SDA goes and cock block some other party in Pongo. Um, I don't know what the hell they're doing. They probably need to reassess what they're doing with their lives as well. But seriously, man, stop cock blocking people. You missed out. You missed out one. Uh, the Singapore People's Party. Now this one I feel a bit sentimental because it's actually Cham Si Tong's party, mm-hmm. but uh, they've they've also lost a bit of their way. Uh. They haven't done anything substantial. And even in Potong Pasir, which was Cham Si Tong's uh, home ground, they are losing votes already. So like I think I think they should just merge with some other parties. Right. But yeah, we've done. Okay, so we wrapped up all the opposition parties. Uh, I just want to get a quick take, right, on do you think this will affect uh, how PAP operates moving forward for the next five years at least? It will definitely affect them. But I think one key important thing that people should take note of is that the results for this election, right, if you go all the way back to 2011, it actually mirrors the results quite closely in terms of how the party performed. The only exception being that Workers' Party actually got larger voter share and they won another GIS. So I'm sure PAP will respond in one way or another, but I'm just curious to know whether we will see a repeat of 2015 where the swing goes back towards the PAP, or is this really the start of a brand new world and the opposition starts to take a firmer grip in our parliament? So it's something that will be interesting to see how it develops over the next five years. Right. And so with that, folks, we wrap up today's episode. Uh, going forward, um, we expect to see a cabinet to be formed in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but at the same time or so, you know, the world is in a lot of uncertainty. Uh, so for our next episode, we're looking to address more of that. Um, we take the general elections as like a special feature, taking us away from what middle of the road was supposed to do. So, yeah, so it's back to regularly scheduled bitching. So again, uh, if you like what you heard from us, hit the like or subscribe button. Tell us what you think in the comments below and engage us in a conversation. I'll try not to let Evan bite too much. <laughs> okay, thank you, everybody. All right, thanks, folks. Take care. Bye. Stay safe.